This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. Thank you. You too. We're going to jump right in in just a moment. I want to remind you to go to practicalshepherding.com. You can find all of our resources, other podcast episodes, articles, all kinds of stuff. also want to say in the next month or so, we have a new book coming out. And actually, this is really exciting for us. It's not just a new book, but it's a 52-week field guide. Uh, to walk through a whole year. It's almost like a one-year internship in a book that takes you through a lot of our core materials of practical shepherding. So be looking for that. It's called Practically Trained Pastors, and uh, it'll be releasing in about a month, Lord willing. So hope you can uh, pick that up, or if you have any questions, write us. Go to the contact page and let us know if there's a way we can just help you in general. That's the best way to to reach us. Jim, we want to talk today about a topic that I think is important for every pastor to grasp, and many don't realize they need to, and that is uh, not just preaching. We talk a lot about preaching and how to preach the Word and how to do it this way and that way, but we don't talk as much about how do you be yourself when you preach, and is that important? Because so often, we end up being who we we end up imitating the people who have had the biggest influence on us, right. but this is an important topic, I believe, and that pastors, preachers find their own preaching voice, whatever that is, and how to do that. What's that look like, and why is that important? So before we dig into all answering all those questions, is there any biblical precedent, Jim, that uh, in the New Testament that somehow we are one to preach and uh, that the value of the individual preacher who would bring it? I think there is, Brian, and I think you can see it in a couple of different ways. I think it's evident that there were different preachers who had different gifts and different abilities to minister to different people, which is why the Corinthians had their favorite their favorite preachers. That's right. Yeah, that's uh, you right. Know, and so some would swear that you know Peter was the greatest preacher, and others Apollos or Barnabas or Paul. Yeah. And so, you know, and Paul, I don't think Paul rebukes that necessarily, but he does remind people that there's something far more important behind all of that, and that each preacher, as they are preaching the word and as they are representing Christ, that they bring something, uh, they bring something to the table. But in the midst of that, there's that there's that simple reality, and then you know, Paul's whole doctrine of. Uh, the body and of spiritual giftedness uh, reminds us, you know, not everybody's an eye, not everybody's a hand, That's and, right. uh, and that in a functioning body, different kinds of gifts bring different kinds of help. And if we have the idea that everybody has to be an, an eye, and if that eye is Pastor John so-and-so or Pastor Brian so-and-so or uh, whoever it is, and they're the, they're the best preacher we've ever heard, and we've listened to a thousand hours of their preaching or podcast, and we've gone to their, uh, their conferences, and we have watched them, and then you begin to not just preach the Christ that they preach, but you begin to preach Christ like they preach Christ. And and I don't just mean exegetically. I mean with the inflection and with the kinds of illustrations and even with the pronunciations. And so suddenly, you know, now somebody is saying God like God because that you know, or whatever it is, uh, that because that's how they heard of this particular else, yeah. you know. So you know, you listen to certain guys and you pick things up. My friend Comrade and Bewe when he says apostle, it's apostle, you know, with the with the T very clearly 
mm-hmm. pronounced. And you know, if I listen to him for a while, I might start saying apostle, <laughs> even though I, you know, I haven't done that in forty years. You know, mm-hmm. forty years of preaching that I've done. And, and, and so it, it's simply a, a reality uh, that a recognition that I am who I am. They are who they are. They are gifted the way they are uh, and useful the way they are, but I don't have to be them uh, to my particular congregation. I think we also just need to take it a step further and say we shouldn't try to be them because, and this answers the first question we kind of posed, the importance of being ourselves when we preach is so important, I believe, because God has uniquely made each of us and he's gifted us in different ways, but we are our own individual person. And... God uniquely uses you in your ministry context right. based on who you are. By the way, this is especially true, and I think one of the uh, one of the challenges for pastors of normal-sized churches is that they, they feel inferior to themselves just being the preacher to preach to this congregation. They think they have to be like one of the celebrity pastors that they admire and they love to listen to. Or that they know their congregation listen to and that they admire. Exactly. That's why they feel that pressure. Right. Is they, they hear their they hear their congregation coming to oh, I heard this I heard this sermon from, you know, Alistair Begg or, or John Piper, whatever it is, and it was it was so great. And and pastors get insecure about their own preaching when they know their members are going out during the week and listening to sermons. But we want to emphasize how important it is that that Alistair Begg, John Piper and whoever else it is does not know that flock that you're preaching to. And so part of the experience, and I I feel really strongly about this, part of the preaching experience of a local church from their pastor is that the pastor's preaching to a group of people he personally knows, and that congregation is hearing from someone they know. So if you go up there and there's benefit in them hearing from their own pastor because they know who he is, and they know his personality, and they know this, and they know that about him. For him to go up and try to be Alistair Begg is really silly, if you think about it, <laughs> because that's not even what is going to enhance that that experience. But pastors believe a lie a lot of times. I somehow have to be like these other guys, because that's who everybody listens to, and everybody right. wants to hear them. Right. And, and it, part of the interesting part about this, Brian, I think that we learn to preach. We don't just learn to preach by reading our Bibles— and we don't simply learn to preach through exegesis done in isolation. We learn to preach through listening to other preachers. That's right. And and there are times when we hear a certain man, and we have this response like that's preaching. You know, so somebody will say sometimes about what's the difference between teaching and preaching, and somebody will often say. I, I don't know, but I know when I hear it, and I know when I don't. Uh, I know when I hear preaching, and that's preaching, or that's not preaching. I, I think there are elements that make make up for that. But we are learning, and particularly, I think there's a difference between early on in our life in ministry, particularly if we only are listening to one or two preachers, that we begin to get this idea, so this guy is loud, or this guy is lilting or, you know, whatever, this guy is is always alliterating or, you know, this guy's always got three points and a poem, you know, whatever the case might be. Yeah, right. Or he always uses this kind of illustration and you begin to take, you know, the form or the manner in which this guy does and you mistake that fully for what preaching is right. rather than, you know, what makes it that is that is is the – the weight and the authority, it's the help of the Holy Spirit, it's the pungency of the word coming through, it's the 
uh, the, that note of authority that this is compelling and needs to be heard and whether, and so suddenly, lo and behold, now you, you find you, there's another preacher who has very soft tones and another, you know, so one of my mentors was a man named Al Martin. And if you uh, look up Al Martin, Albert N. Martin or A.N. Martin and listen to some of his sermons on sermon audio, and particularly the ones that have tens of thousands of downloads, uh, they'll blow the hair off your head, right. you know. That's yeah, who he was, and, yeah. And, and I can remember one time at when I was at, at church, and there was a couple of young men that were visiting, and they'd obviously listened to Al Martin on cassette tape, and they'd, you know, back, 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 back in Google the day. That, Google yeah. that, kids, what cassette tape is. <laughs> and, and, um, and, you know, Pastor Martin would – he wouldn't always like start off. He wouldn't go zero to 60 right. in a second. Right. But soon, you know, he had the pedal to the metal and he was going 60, 70, 80, 90 miles an hour. And when that, and when that happened and when that hit and when that real sense, that note of, you know, urgency and power hit, you could watch, these guys were like elbowing each other. Like he's doing it. He's doing it. You know, <laughs> like the Bee Gees singing falsetto You're, now, exactly. like, Oh, they're doing it, they're right. doing it, you know. So it was really that's a terrible illustration, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the that but they were there was that sense of excitement in it, and again, and and to the point for some is that if you didn't have that, you didn't have preaching. Now, one of the things Pastor Martin did do, and he, and wanted to make sure to do, because I think he had some idea that people, you know, he knew people appreciated his preaching, is that he would have other preachers preach regularly at the church yeah. who had very different gifts. They weren't just trying to sound like him. It wasn't like. Uh, playing the part of Al Martin today is, you know, so and so, which now, can happen with the guys that were heavily influenced by him very easily. Oh well, yeah, yeah. And, and some people have been told. I mean, because there was a a training academy there, yeah, and the scuttlebutt of a lot of people was, oh, they were just you know grinding out little Al Martins, which mm. of course, on the one hand, I thought, well, wouldn't be necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> right. Just like I hear about at Masters, oh, they all sound like John MacArthur. Yeah. They all pronounce God like John MacArthur. They mm-hmm. all. Uh, they all do their feet like John MacArthur, or they mm-hmm. lean on the pulpit like John MacArthur, or whatever it else. And and so, we need to make sure that what we're what if if there are good and commendable things to to imitate, like a fidelity to Scripture, a fearlessness of application, mm-hmm. a love for the person of Christ, a zeal to apply to your own people, whatever it is. And, this, and I'm going to use a Martinism that you smother that with your own fingerprints, yeah. that you digest that and learn that the power of it is not in the tone, it's not in the pronunciation, but it is in that submission to the word and that holding forth of those key things. Now, that's something you can do. That, that's something that I can't preach like Alistair Begg. Alistair, in, in part of Alistair Begg or... One of my favorite preachers, a man named Ted Donnelly, is an yeah. Irishman. Yeah, Ted Donnelly. It's just that they have a beautiful way of talking. Yeah. Um, Bill Hughes, you know, our friend Bill Hughes, yeah. who's an Englishman. Amazing, amazing preacher. <laughs> I was preaching at a conference years ago, and and we had been, and Bill had preached at the same conference before. And I remember Bill had preached through Jonah, and every he had four sessions, four chapters in Jonah, so he would read the whole chapter every time before he preached. Oh yeah. So the next year or two, whatever, I was preaching. I was doing the life of of Samson out of Judges, and I said to my wife, I said, "Well, I'm going to read a whole chapter, you know, the life of Samson yeah. before each one. Yeah. So chapters sixteen, seventeen, you yeah. know, just like Bill Hughes and my wife said." Yeah. You're not Bill Hughes. It can, can Bill Hughes come up and read it for you? Right, maybe. Right. It was just like, 
yeah, you can do it, you know, but you can't read like he can read. So this is another important thing about uh, to talk about with this is there's something good that I think comes out of there's a good desire on why certain preachers want to mimic their favorite preachers and that I think there's a desire to want to have the same impact they have. Oh yeah. So so we need to recognize this. This is this is not people just like purposefully wanting to be disingenuous. This is there's good desires in wanting to mimic our our teachers, uh, our influencers. But what we the point we want to make with this though is that it's still important to find your own preaching voice, who you are. And and one of the places I think to start with this, let's kind of segue to this. How do we how does somebody find their own preaching voice? And if we if we say this is important, one of the best tests, I think, especially for a local church pastor, is does your congregation feel like it's you up there preaching, mm-hmm. and who they've gotten to know in that living room right. or in that coffee shop or whatever? I think w- w- some of the disconnect that some people have is they'll experience their pastor in the living room, and he turns into a totally different flamboyant exactly person right, in the right, pulpit. Right, 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 and right, by right. the way, this is m- part of my own story in that uh, one of you know some of the some of you heard me tell the story of how Betty, who's this ninety year old widow n- and now, uh, who helped me grow my preaching over the years, and I kind of just dismissed what she said in the in the early years to me. But one of the things she said to me, kind of in a paraphrased articulation of it, she said, um, "I I want you in the pulpit." And, and I feel like I experience you differently when we talk one-on-one than you are in the pulpit. I just totally dismissed her. Like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She was right. And yeah. this is part that, and that was once I started figuring out how to actually be myself. Yeah. And this is not, this does not mean tell eight personal illustrations in the sermon uh, to, to be yourself. But it does mean potentially putting a personal connecting flair on a sermon to bring out your personality, to bring out maybe some personal way you connect to the sermon you're preaching. I think there's a balanced approach in that. Some say don't do any personal illustrations, and others go way overboard and do too much. Right. So uh, I'm talking about a balance of that, but I do believe that's part of how you find your own preaching voice is that you let who you are come out. And I think even guys who are committed to expository preaching and high view of preaching can lose sight of this because we, we don't – we think of – if I – if I'm myself or I let my personality come out in any way, I make it about me and not the text and not about the sermon and the truth I'm teaching about. But I just want to stress there's a balance in that. I went to that extreme. I'm speaking out of personal experience where I was taught, like, don't, no personal illustrations, don't be personal, just preach the text kind of thing. Well, that maybe sounds simple and spiritual, but when you're preaching to regular people who also want to know you're a person preaching right. to them, there's there's got to be a balanced approach in this, wouldn't you agree? I agree, and and I think too, right? I think we need to be aware of our influences and our influencers, and and I think sometimes it's easier to see it in others and see it in ourselves. And when you, I mean, we could talk about certain denominations and certain kinds of ways, and like almost every preacher in this denomination sounds like this. Uh, whether it's a fundamentalist church or everybody, you know, uh, yeah, that, that's where right. they, you know, there's a certain way of, of uh, there's a cadence to the preaching and a way that they build up to certain kinds of the things, you know, whatever it is, and you just think you close your eyes and it could be any one of a hundred different in, in certain in in reformed churches and certain reformed churches, whether it's it's um, you know some of the reformed Baptists with a bit more of the. Uh, maybe some stricter, harder notes here yeah. or the more Dutch reformed with where it's all very 
quiet and even keeled, and you just let the word do the power. Well, you don't need to emphasize Southern, anything. Southern Baptist, you know, background, and so, yeah, same in deal, Southern Baptist, right? There's maybe a flamboyance in African American churches. There's a certain there's a style, yeah. and, and it's and in 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 order to preach there, you have to fit the style. And you have to become something, or you can become something. And again, I'm talking about in all of these situations. I'm not just highlighting one, where again, you 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 fit the mold, you know, so that if you're, this is just what you do. So if you were again in an '80s band, you grew your hair out and you, you know, wore spandex and you, you know, because that's what you did, because that's what it was you to also, be in a band. You, you know. teased your hair, Jim, you in the '80s, right, just so you know. You teased I, your hair too, whatever so. you did, right? So yes, and you. <laughs> You I'm go, 80s look, rock and roll man. Look, look for Brian's old CD, everybody. <laughs> see if you right. can find Thankfully, it. Thankfully, that was in the 90s. That was the in teased, the 90s. The teased hair was gone by that time. So, but it was replaced <laughs> with a, some beautiful clothes and hairdo, folks. If you can find, we could it. do a whole podcast on that. Couldn't um, we? I'm, I'm not making this up. So anyway, yes, there so really you, is. But you, anyway, getting to the point without getting too silly here. Yeah, you, you, we have to. I think sometimes step out, and we if maybe we can hear it in others. But sometimes we need somebody close to us, you know, maybe our wife. Uh, when I was, you know, uh, training for the ministry, my wife and somebody else had said, like, you know, when you pray now, you take on a whole different, you just sound different. Yeah. And, you know, so what the old writers are called, you took on a ministerial tone. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, now we come, oh, great. You know, and it was, and it wasn't. It wasn't you, you know. You, yeah. you know, yeah, that's you, good. you sound different. Your voice is different. All, all your language is different, and it's not just because you're talking about theological things. It's that you have unconsciously imbibed uh, listening to people you admire, and and in order to be like them or do what they do, you try to sound like yeah. them. And your imitation a few minutes ago actually made a great point illustration, whether you meant to or not, and that's. When we try to be something that we're not, or even trying to imitate someone else, uh, it and not only is it 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 it's ineffective in accomplishing what we want, but it doesn't remotely feel natural. And yeah. I think that's what what pe- we need to understand about the most natural way to be uh, the the best way to come across authentic and natural when you preach is be yourself, <laughs> not 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 master being this guy. Yeah, like don't try to be natural. Just be just, natural, that's, and, and that's the you beauty know. of being natural, right? That, I mean, it's just it, let it, let we, it, let it go. And that we have that to sense, try so. to, we have to try to do and be so much as pastors. Yeah. One of the things that I mean, take advantage of the one thing that you can always be that you don't have to try to be is yourself and whoever you are, <laughs> right? <laughs> but some people have it, a hard time with that because they don't trust it. Okay, so that's the point. You know, I think that's the last thing to focus on is, is everybody needs to ask themselves. Why are they not themselves in the pulpit and when they do public ministry? And oftentimes it's because their insecurities, this is a way to try to combat the insecurities they have, whatever they are. So instead of accepting that and knowing this is how God has made you, this is how he's gifted you, this is how he's called you, instead we try to be somebody else because we don't think who we are is enough. I think Brian, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll conclude with this. I think we need to. We need to be sure because uh, I, th- I think this is. This can happen is that we not mistake the presentation uh, of, of a gifted preacher, a well-known preacher, an effective preacher, 
as being the source of their blessing or usefulness. Yeah, excellent. It, yep. It's because, you know, and, and you think to yourself, well, if I just, you know, it's almost like saying, well, he wore an orange tie. Oh, if I just wear an orange tie. Well, well he swoops his hair back. Maybe I need to swoop my hair back. Well, he's loud. Maybe I need to be loud. Well, no, well, maybe you need to spend as much time praying as he does. Or maybe you need to fight your sin the way that he does. Maybe you need to seek God the way that he does. Maybe you need to love people the way he yep. does. So it's easier to pronounce a word like he does than to do that other hard work. Sure. And then the other thing is just is the simple recognition that some you know the spirit blows where he wills. And and there are in every generation there are a handful of men that the Lord lifts up to an extraordinary degree. Yep. And again, there are not a lot of them. It's a few, and depending on what circle you're in, they're going to be. You're going to. So, if you're in an e-free church, it's going to be different than if you're in an OPC church. It's going to be different than if you're in, you know, uh, an SBC church or whoever. Who your models are, who your heroes are, and who are known in your in your circle. But the Spirit of God sometimes just lifts those up. God does most of His work and has always done most of His work through ordinary men in the ordinary means, being faithful and being themselves to a normative-sized congregation, giving themselves. That's a good word, and, and I'll, I'll add my final thought on this, that uh, it's God's design that uh, a regular, ordinary man pastor a local church and preach to them every week. Um, that's God's design to even have the most blessing and fruitfulness in that local church, not that they get to hear one of the rated top 15 preachers of, of right. all time to preach to them. It's right. it's not the design. It's those men have their own calling and God uses them in large public ways, but it's not the same, it's not the same design as the is pastoral preaching in a local church. So, you know, if if a pastor is called to a local church, it's where God has you, then you're the man to preach there and that's how that church is going to be most impacted is by you who knows that flock to preach to them. So let me take a minute as we wrap this up to to pray and ask God to to give you wisdom and just confidence in that calling. Amen. Lord, thanks for uh for calling us to the church to preach there. We thank you for the for some of the great men with enormous gifts to preach that we admire and love and are influenced by. We know you sharpen us as preachers through their example and ministry. But Lord, remind each of us that you've made us, we're not only creating the image of God, you have created us to be a certain type of person that you've made us to be, gifted in a unique way to do the work you've called us to. So Lord, help each one of us to feel the burden, to steward what you've given us and nothing more, and that you would help us to be faithful in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.